the Multiverse of Badness, reviewing the box wines of the Vineyard of Comics since 2021. I am Mike, and to help me as always, I have my Cabernet Sauvignon or some shit like that. It's some rich, full-bodied wine, like the rich, full-bodied voice of my host from Wales, of course. Zach, how are you doing today, buddy? I am, as always, flattered by the introductions you gave me. I remember in the early days of the podcast, you'd almost try to neg me. You'd like try to palm me off as your co-host. Now, you're being very, very um, verbose about your descriptions. But if I did have to say one thing about it, yes, I can understand why you think I'd be a full-bodied wine, but I'm a Swansea boy. I'm a fucking warm kind of stellar in the sun. <laughs> Hey, nothing wrong with that, man. We have PBR here. Schlitz as well. If you're an old enough man like I am to know that Schlitz was a beer through about the 80s. I was going to say, if you've got the Schlitz, you should probably take some Imodium and have a lie down. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know what? Some people would say that my podcasting is the Schlitz of podcasting. (laughs) But no, we're not going to insult me anymore, but we are going to insult (laughs) this book. Probably. Maybe not. We're going to find out. That's why we do this. There's no promise that this is going to be negative. But we are going to review from August of 1978 a book with characters that are actually old enough to be my father. We have the Invaders, number 31, facing off against an even older character, Zach. Who are they going to face off against? Well, uh, looking at the the cover of this book, there's a couple of context clues. Now, don't be distracted by the actual swastika on the cover of this book. <laughs> Never. 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 Because the uniform, terrifying enough, is filled with none other than our second universal monster, I believe, on the Multiverse of Badness. It's Frankenstein. Fucking hell, it's Frankenstein. But we find out somewhere in the book that... It is, it is in Frankenstein, but we're not going to spoil the punch. Spoilers, spoilers. We're not going to spoil the punch for our toilet-drinking wine listener. What we are going to do, (laughs) however, is we're going to start this comic book, and we start out with Spitfire, who I didn't even know was in The Invaders, but apparently she was at some point in the 70s. And she's just cleaning the house, as Spitfire does, even though she's not happy about it. I mean, yeah, you know, if you've got a powerful superhero to hand, what better way to utilize them than cleaning the house? Yeah, sure, you know, somebody's got to do it. And it just so happens to be the only woman on the team, Mike. I don't know if you've noticed. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, you don't see see Submariner picking up a fucking dustpan and cleaning, no. (laughs) So, yeah, but that would be weird because he always likes running around in Speedos anyway. So don't bend over, Submariner. We've seen enough. However, she knocks over a hat box. It just happens to be laying around. Out of the hat box comes a Gestapo officer's hat big enough to fit a fucking potted plant in. I want to know what room in the house that she's in that they just conveniently had this giant novelty-sized Nazi officer's hat in a hat box just laying around at elbow fucking level. You know what? Maybe they run a haberdashery as well. Which would be surprising because you can't even sell Nazi paraphernalia on eBay, much less probably in person. But who am I to question? However, Captain America comes in, which actually cracks me up because he has his shield. He's like ready to fight. You would think (laughs) Captain America leaves his shield. No, he just walks around the fucking house with his shield. Why, Why else would you have a shield if not to utilize it at any given opportunity? You're watching TV. There's a moth flickering around your light. Boom! Captain America shield. Problem solved. (laughs) Well, fortunately for Spitfire, Captain America knows 
where this Gestapo hat comes from. And he's going to tell a tale that starts out with the Submariner car. I don't even, I didn't know Submariner <laughs> had a car. I didn't know Submariner needed a car, but apparently he has a car that flies all the way around the world. It's quite a sight to behold, especially for the good people of this little village in Switzerland that Namor, Bucky, and Cap seem to be on their way to. They've got uh, information that there's Nazi operations, I believe. Yeah, in Switzerland of all places. But Switzerland, no less. Yeah, but yeah, we have the pitchforks come out as soon as they arrive because they need to find some information. I think at this point we already know that Toro and Human Torch had flown over there and they're trying to find them. And one of the funniest pictures in this is when Namor confronts the villagers and he has a head the size of a fucking cantaloupe. It's a fucking wedge of an organ he's got on him fair play but this is what i love is that when they land there the the sight of the submariner car riles up the villagers they attack captain america and bucky going monster kill the beast kill the monster fucking namor with this giant fucking funko pop head on him turns <laughs> up and they're like oh that can't be a monster <laughs> <laughs> well i love the arrogance of captain america in the next panel he's like Whoa there, I can't believe that this village is so far behind the times. You've never heard of Submariner and Captain America. You know what? They don't have TV in Switzerland unless these motherfuckers are over here all the time. Who the fuck knows? This is the 40s. <laughs> the fact that these villagers, they were ready to go apparently pillage an entire castle. But we have to find out why. Can you tell us why they're going to pillage said castle? Yes, I can. To quote the villager with the yellow polo shirt and stripy sweater vest combination that I'm absolutely living for. Horror beyond all comprehension. Would it be the fiery demons they saw, or would it actually be Frankenstein's monster? Well, there's definitely fiery demons. There's no denying there was fiery demons, Mike. I'm not gonna, I'm not, look, I'm not gonna come on this podcast and deny there were fiery demons, okay? But luckily it turns out that that just so happened to be the original Human Torch and his boy sidekick, Toro? I'm not, like, I know the original Human Torch is a cyborg. Is Toro a human? Uh, I honestly <laughs> don't know. I did not do my research for Toro. Like, I honestly don't care. At least Bucky is kind of ish aged well. I'm not sure what the fuck happened to Toro. What cracks me up here, too, again, because Captain America, after being told the tale of flaming demons and Frankenstein's monster, he's like, well, I don't really believe that monster bullshit. You're hanging around <laughs> with a guy from Atlantis, an android that can turn into flames, and you don't believe there could be a monster. Absolutely. The fact that the things they said have been validated to Captain America as fact. I saw two flying, fiery things. He's like, all right, that's obviously Torch and Toro. <laughs> and there was a monster. He's like, fuck <laughs> off, mate. There wasn't a monster. So he has to go check this out himself. So Bucky and Captain America get to the castle, which is actually the castle of, come to find out, Basil Frankenstein. Instead of knocking on the door like a good superhero might, he just breaks into the fucking window. Yeah, I mean, just creep in. Why not? No heroics. Just be an absolute goddamn night stalker about it and just creep in through an open window. You're Captain fucking America. Come on now. Yeah, you would think this guy cared about the rule of law, but he doesn't. Thankfully for us, because honestly, there are Nazi flags inside. 
There are Nazis inside, and there's something even more deadly and damaging than Nazis and a Nazi flag, and he is... Two words that, when said out loud together, instantly give Rob Zombie a boner wherever he is in the world. (laughs) Nazi Frankenstein. Fucking hell, it's Nazi Frankenstein, and he is a bad lad. (laughs) He's instantly taking on Captain America and Bucky... They're having no luck taking him down. He ends up knocking out Captain America while Basil Frankenstein and his hot Japanese assistant, we find out later on, who also has the hots for Captain America. Look on. They knock out our heroes and throw them into a dungeon, and they chain them up along with Toro and, of course, the android Human Torch, who happens to be in a bubble, of course, because that's how you stop Human Torches. I was thinking, when I read this, back to the Infant Terrible, where, yep, just trap a Human Torch in a glass container, and it renders it useless. (laughs) This even goes back all the way to the Asbestos Lady. Oh my god, yes! Oh, that's a, there's a theme right here. So, uh, one fun fact about, I was about to call him Basil Faulty, Basil Frankenstein... (laughs) is that this is not his first appearance. What, really? He appears as a child in Monster of Frankenstein. So he is an actual, literal blood descendant of the in-Marvel Victor Frankenstein. Well, that is information I was not aware of. But Captain America, trapped, and we are told... Trapped in America? (laughs) We are introduced to... Dr. Kitagawa, Japanese finest surgeon, and also happens to be a Nazi, or at least a Nazi sympathizer. And as mentioned, she is into Cap. She's like, yeah, Basil and I have fallen in love, but I can't wait because he attracts me intellectually. You attract me physically, Yankee. And after I scoop your brains out and turn you into a fucking zombie, I apparently want to get it on with you. So, yeah, I mean, there's that to contend with. There's a bit more nuance to it. <laughs> I don't know. So Basil Faulty, as I'm now going to call him, because it's just going to be easier for me to remember that in a book about actual Frankenstein. So Basil Faulty, it turns out, had an accident in a laboratory which have rendered his arms and legs useless. He's a wheelchair user. Uh, He uses Dr. Kitagawa as his hands, he says, and they've fallen in love. And as Mike pointed out, they basically want to do a little brain swap with Captain America and Basil Faulty and make him into the ultimate fuck machine for Dr. Kitagawa. (laughs) Well, Submariner's on the way to help. But while he's on the way, we see where Basil has decided to grow Frankenstein by using the android blood of the Human Torch, which I'm going to assume he could have done all along, but he waited until Captain America and Submariner showed up. Is that true? Uh, Yes, so although he has him trapped in the bubble. Apparently the bubble also harnesses the android energy. And wow. yes, for some reason decided you're completely right in saying on doing this experiment at this moment, at this time, when you have some highly trained and highly dangerous superheroes who are out to kick your ass. Yeah, fuck it. That's a side quest. Let's focus on the main path of growing me a Frankenstein. <laughs> so grow a Frankenstein, he does. Right around the time the Submariner shows up and we have a scrum on our hands, no one's having any luck taking down Frankenstein at all. He is whooping that ass. But fortunately, we do have 
Marvel's first mutant, the Submariner, is at least strong enough to punch him into a machine and wacky hijinks ensue here, Zach. What does punching our Frankenstein's monster into a machine do? Punching. This this is scientific fact. Now, we haven't mentioned that Basil Fawlty has implanted a mind-controlled chip into Nazi Frankenstein. And it does really... One thing I loved about this, they really harbored on the fact that Nazi Frankenstein didn't want to be a Nazi Frankenstein. He was Nazi Frankenstein in against his own will. <laughs> but punching it in the face into a machine, getting back to the point electrocutes him and short circuits the mind control chip leaving him finally able to enact his revenge but before we get to his revenge mike oh we have to talk about the little b story that's going alongside this where outside the castle these riled up villagers with their clubs their pitchforks their torches their axes literally murder an entire nazi platoon well, you know what? I'm going to make an assumption here, and I could be wrong. You would think a Nazi platoon would probably have weapons better than pitchforks and rakes. But in this instance, I guess Basil Frankenstein spent all his resources on growing Frankensteins and none <laughs> on his army because you are 100% right. Anyway, this it all ties in nicely. The, the A story and the B story at the end of the comic tie in perfectly because Frankenstein, under his own command for the first time scoops up Dr. Kitagawa, scoops up Basil Fawlty, and has basically just decided, you know what, I'm going to return these body parts back to the grave, and I'm taking you with me. <laughs> well, I think one of my favorite images is right before that occurs, when Frankenstein is mad sad. <laughs> you do get big sad Frankenstein. Three words instantly rumoured to take away Rob Zombie's boner. <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, it's, got, it's like a grunge Frankenstein. He's all sad and he's got this mop of messy, long brown hair. I'm into, I'm into grunge Frankenstein, not Nazi Frankenstein. So Frankenstein's monster jumps with Basil and his lady friend, killing them both, we assume, even though it really isn't followed up on. Oh, it and really said, does. Villagers. It really does, because this is where the A story and the B story tie up perfectly in one panel. You see a, <laughs> a villager with an axe and a torch, and he says, Frankenstein and his demon, dead as the soldiers. <laughs> you know, I'm not 100% sure. He didn't check, though. How do you check if a Frankenstein's monster is dead? It's sewn together. I can imagine... It, probably has quite a big spread on impact it comes apart okay. at the seams okay yeah they did only show his hand here and his legs so i guess he could be uh chowder on the sidewalk so we have our villagers ready to burn down the castle but our friend the human torch will have nothing to do with it can you explain what the human torch is all pissy about the human torch he's had enough you know what he wants to stand up for his own rights for a change. You see, Mike, he too, much like the crazed giant Nazi Frankenstein, four words, rumored to instantly return Bob Zombie's boner, was... <laughs> <laughs> Please stop talking about Bob Zombie's boner in this episode, for the love of God! Okay, yeah, fair. Okay, I'll admit to that. But he tells the villagers that 
the Frankenstein's monster was no less human than I as a cyborg, and therefore you shall not burn down the castle, but this shall stand as a monument to Basil's crimes? I don't really I don't, know yeah, what that, he's talking about. It kind about. of trails off at the end why his reasoning is. Yeah, and I love how Spitfire in the last panel is like, so does he really protect him? And Cap's like, fuck all if I know. <laughs> I don't know if he's watching over that castle or not. They may have burned it the fuck down, but are you going to ask him? But I do love that they literally cut straight back for the very last panel uh, back to Captain America and Spitfire, who have been having this conversation. This whole book has been a flashback, essentially. And they were like, last panel, fuck, oh shit, yeah, we're supposed to flash back forward to where we were. Of course it's a flashback because it's okay to have Captain America, of course. It's okay for him to run around with a guy that's literally just wearing Speedo and a young man who's also wearing Speedos and Toro and an android and a teenage boy, but you let the fucking lady actually do something? No, we can't have a story with a lady being involved. Let's send these weird guys off to fight Nazis and you sit here and as was pointed out, Clean the house in this episode. Give Spitfire something to fucking do. I mean, like, it's literally, you put it perfectly. It's like, look, me and the guys want to get a bunch of kids and run around in Speedos, and it would be weird if a girl was there, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it took them this long for her to become part of the invaders, and the only thing we see her do that is action in this entire comic book is clean a table and knock over a hat box. So, I guess... That pretty much sums up the Invaders 31, Zach. Yes. It's a wacky horror story about a village living in fear of the dark science that is being done just above them, bracketed by straight-up old-school Marvel misogyny. (laughs) Of course. It's the only way to have it. So... (laughs) I think what we're going to have to do here, we're going to try a little something different because we actually had an episode recently with Ken from the ODPH podcast, and we thought it went great. And we mentioned that we didn't necessarily like the book as much. And the author, Adam Felber, actually responded to us. Very cool dude, actually, and was very open and accepting of our opinions so nothing but love to adam felber even though we weren't big fans of that story absolutely love adam felber and i'd just like to point out to the mob squad that it is a comedy show as well you gotta take what we say with a big old pinch of salt (laughs) but at least this episode we're gonna try something a little different we're going to point out at least something we like about it and something we dislike and i have decided to call these segments the multiverse of gladness and the multiverse of sadness. So, <laughs> gladness, Zach, what makes you smile in this issue? Uh, well, first of all, the name of this new segment, 10 out of 10, <laughs> good work. What makes me smile about this issue is generally the overall horror comic tone in the artwork. Like, it does feel quite like a horror story visually. Uh, Mm -hmm. The drawing of not mentioning a certain rock star's boner, Nazi Frankenstein, (laughs) I I love. It proper looks like a right dead corpse. Yeah, I I think just generally the aesthetic of this book is my gladness. Yeah, I'm going to agree 100% with that. That That's exactly what I had written down. I do love getting a douchebag Namor snuck in because when Namor's a dick, he's at his best. 
And then the other thing versus some of the other comics we've reviewed recently, at least there's a lot of activity going on. So panel to panel, you're not getting bored. It's moving pretty quickly. Sadness, what brings a tear to your eye about Invaders 31? What brings a tear to my eye about Invaders 31? Honestly, I'm going to have to say that the sadness is the underutilization of Spitfire. I'm not, you know, I don't know a lot about Spitfire. I'm not entirely sure what their power set is. But the fact that they have a fucking power set means you have another power set to utilize. Not fucking cleaning up the hat cupboard. (laughs) I do believe that maybe this is where I got confused about how Frankenstein was being used earlier. If I recall, Spitfire received her powers from a blood transfusion from the android human torch. So she had android blood and it willed her her powers, I believe. I could be wrong. As far as sadness for me, I always find it sad when, especially you have young men running around, 14, 15 years old, running around with full-ass grown men, putting themselves in dangerous situations. If I recall, they didn't do anything in this issue to help things. They only slowed down at best. And finally... Toro setting around, he's not Namor's kid offspring. If he were, I could understand why he's running around in Robin Speedos and shirtless. He hasn't earned his costume yet. You said it yourself. He didn't do anything in this book. No, completely agree. Always found it weird that pants was an option for superhero armor. <laughs> so that's our gladness and sadness. Now we have to ask Stan or Can. Do you want to stand this issue or do you want to can it? Stan or Can, uh, like or hike, adore <laughs> or deplore. We could come up with these. Oh, all that, day. One, that one's it. That, okay, you win. You win. Adore <laughs> or deplore. I guess deplore is pretty mean, but Can is too. Yeah. We'll go with adore or deplore. Tell no, us, we, we can just come. We can come up with them as as and when we need to. Okay. Um, yeah, that's what we'll do from now on absolutely stand this book let's you know stan was the first option so yes 100 percent would recommend good fun silly little horror superhero book with nazis and brain swapping and pants boys <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i'm going to stand it personally i'm not sure i would stand this to give to someone else to read i could see people going this is just a little off-putting or weird uh nazis are never Yeah, it's hard to recommend anything with Nazis in it, but at least they meet their demise, I suppose. Yeah, every Nazi you meet in this book dies, so that's a benefit. Fair enough. I'll go stand then. Yeah, you're right. Stand it. (laughs) So two stands, no cans. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. There we go. Done. That's how, and that's how you end the segment. God damn it. It's a work in progress, but it's definitely working. Fucking A, but you know what's not a work in progress? Our social medias. You can reach out to us at Multiverse of Bad on Twitter. You can reach out to us at Multiverse of Badness on Facebook, TikTok. Also, give us a call. 1-949-393-9391. And finally, emails. Zach, anything store this week? You, as always, can reach us at boypants at multiverseofbadness.com. You can reach us at punch a Nazi Frankenstein into a machine to turn off its brain control powers at multiverseofbadness.com and you can reach us as ever at robzombiesboner at multiverseofbadness.com There, I did it again. Ah, you snuck in one more boner joke for our good friend Rob Zombie. Well, you know what I have to do because I love listening to some of our fellow podcasters and they give us shout-outs from time to time, so I'm going to at least return the favor 
Shout out to Deer Watchers, Tencent Takes, Doink the Clown, What's Shaking with Shainer, Stu World Order, El Dandy, So Wizard Podcast, Stu World Order, The Pint Comic Bookkeepers, and Bubba Ray Dudley. So when you are too dumb to know the difference between good indie podcasts and bad 90s wrestlers, you have fallen into the multitudes of bad. Hell, that was a really long name for whatever podcast you just shouted out. (laughs) It's a good fucking podcast, man. (laughs) Nice.